Hello and welcome to Evidence of Grace, a podcast from Revolution 22 Church in Boise, Idaho. The purpose of this podcast is for members of our church body to share their testimony and how God is continually working in our lives. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you continue to love God and love others. On this week's episode, we're going to talk to Brett Rutherford. Uh, Brett is a youth leader, security team member, and friend to many here at Rev. Brett's life just seems to be traumatic event after traumatic event. Yet through it all, Brett has remained faithful to God, despite repeatedly asking himself the question, why do bad things keep happening to me? There's so much to learn from Brett's story, and every time I hear it, I learn something new. But what continues to stick out to me is that the hope that we have in Christ is far greater than any hope we will have in the things of this world. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Sit back and enjoy. All right, welcome everybody to the first episode of Evidence of Grace, a podcast by Revolution 22 Church. Uh, I'm your host, Jack Morgan. Uh, I serve as the youth director here at, at Rev, and I am joined by not only a fellow youth leader of mine, but uh, one of my good friends, Mr. Brett Rutherford. Hey, guys. Brett, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, I'm excited. This is the, this is the first episode. Yeah. Um, gonna gonna set the bar low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I couldn't. I could not think of a better uh, first guest to have on. Um, mostly because you're you're very easygoing. Mm. You, you like to go with the flow. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I need someone that's gonna roll with my punches yeah. uh, to start. That's Definitely. not gonna be too critical. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm appreciative. Cool. Appreciative of you having me on here. So, so um, yeah. yeah, we're just gonna. We're going to go through uh, kind of Brett's testimony and uh, give a chance for people who, who maybe don't know Brett at Rev to, mm-hmm. to get to know him, uh, what he does at Rev, and, and kind of how he got here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Brett, you, you, like I mentioned, you, you serve uh, as a youth leader. Mm-hmm. You, you've been leading middle school boys for what, like a year and a half now? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Almost. I want to say almost two years. Yeah, it's getting getting, so, getting close to two years. Yeah. Um, you 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 are serve on the security team. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We're in a what do we call them? These abide pods. Yeah, <laughs> me and you. Yeah, uh, and a couple other guys in. So yeah, you're you're all over the place, man. Right. You, you are definitely uh, involved. Is there anything else I'm missing that you do at Rev? Not that I know. Um, involved in a GC. Yeah, and involved in a GC. Um, but other than that, no. That's that's the extent of my volunteerism at Rev. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. Been here well, for quite a while yeah so yeah. yeah um cool man well we can get into some of that stuff mm-hmm. um as we go along but uh, i think we should just start with from, from the beginning mm-hmm. uh let's just start uh share a little bit of uh of your testimony man i'm excited yeah. for this yeah um so kind of a kind of a precursor to to my story is kind of a kind of a disclaimer um i want you guys to know that i'm not um, super open to sharing things that are close to my heart. So I feel like God is growing and maturing me through being open, honest, and vulnerable with you guys. Um, and I, I feel like this is something extremely intimate, um, just sharing my life um, and, and the trials that God has seen me through. So um, I'm excited about this. So... Um, I guess an opening question is, you know, do you believe in miracles or have you ever witnessed a miracle? And, um, I consider myself a miracle. Um, and I'm going to unpack that statement for you guys here over the next little bit. Um, not only is it a miracle that I'm still alive, but it's a miracle that I'm still a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, So I'm here to share with you my story of hope and redemption through my relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, by no means am I attempting to put myself above you by referring to myself as a miracle. I believe you, yes, you are a miracle as well. Just think of your life. You were born, you're alive, and you're breathing. Those are all miracles in my opinion and can only be explained by God's grace, presence, and almighty power. Um... I believe not I believe life is not a coincidence. So 
Um, I also want you to know that I'm not trying to tell a sob story to earn your pity. Um, I simply want you to know how amazing God's presence has been in my life um, through trials of all kinds. Um, I'm going to personalize these events that I've been through so that you can really understand how hard um, my walk with God's been. So just hope you guys um, can relate to to anything that I've been through. So, um, Well, and Brett, I mean, I remember the first time I heard your testimony, we were sitting in this room mm -hmm. uh, probably about a year ago, Mm -hmm. and you you gave your testimony to the youth group, Mm -hmm. and I remember you opened you opened with a line that was similar to that Mm -hmm. of like, I am a miracle. And I was like, okay, this is it. Like you got my attention Mm -hmm. now. Like, and, and, um, as you dive into this, I just want everyone to know, like he, he's, he's telling the truth. Like Mm -hmm. this guy, uh, this guy's been through a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, so why don't you just go like from the start, uh, growing up, what, Mm -hmm. what was that like family life and stuff? Yeah. So I am a Boise native. Um, I was born and raised in a Christian home, um, and I was, I, I grew up trying to be innocent and perfect and pleasing to everybody in life, and that's just, that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, there's only one person who's lived a perfect life, and that's Jesus Christ. So growing up, trying to be innocent and perfect was just, I was setting myself up for failure. It's not humanly possible. Um, so yeah, grew up in Boise. Uh, like I said, raised in a Christian home, went to church a lot, did Bible study, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, you know, life was good as a kid. Like our family was great. We were close. I had two brothers. My, my parents were together. They loved each other. We all loved each other as siblings. Um, and kind of the first life event um, that I want to share is when I was nine years old. So my younger brother, Ryan, was diagnosed with cancer when he was three years old. Uh, the type of cancer was rhabdomyosarcoma. So that was a soft tissue in his cheek. So I was nine. He was three. And I just... I couldn't quite grasp like why a three-year-old would have to face cancer. Right. So, and were you like at this point, were you still that people pleaser and innocent? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. So, um, yeah, it was tough. And my, my little brother just kind of thought that cancer was normal for three-year-olds. I remember him saying like, oh, this is normal to go through cancer. It's like, no, right. like, it's not normal. It's a huge challenge. Yeah. So that, like, that kind of rocked my world. I was like, man, cancer, really? Like, how can how can God put a three-year-old through that? But there was hope. We, we prayed a ton. We had good medical team. You know, we had believers in the family that were, that were praying, and we believed that God could could do a miracle and, 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 uh, cure my, my brother of cancer. And then, uh, so fast forward about five years, um, my younger brother, Ryan went into remission, which for those of you guys that don't know what remission in, it's basically you're cured, um, kind of got to do checkups, but for the most part, your cancer is gone and your success story. So, at 14, I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I get my brother. We get to live the rest of our life. Yeah. Um, and then one year later, I was 15, and uh, my little brother was, I think he was 10. He was re-diagnosed with a cancer called osteosarcoma, which is um, a bone cancer in his neck. So it was a different, different kind of cancer. Different kind of cancer. Okay. And uh, it... It was a product of radiation and chemotherapy the mm. first time around. So um, the radiation really just damaged his body and it set it up for um, the chance of cancer returning, and which it obviously did. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah. So that he was he was diagnosed with cancer when I was again when I was 15 years old, um, and then kind of to go with another family story. So when I was 16, my uncle Dirk passed away from liver failure. Mm. So that was kind of the first experience of loss in in the family. Yeah. You know, and I didn't I didn't quite know how to deal with that. I was I think a I was a sophomore or a junior in high school and I just remember like sitting at school and like I would just randomly start sobbing. Mm. You know? So that was that was the first were experience. You, were you pretty close with that uncle? I was. Okay. Yeah, so he was on my dad's side. Um he was always like at you know, sports practices, games, yeah. like one of my biggest fans. So mm. I was, I was definitely close with him, but, um, and did just, it, did it kind of make your brother's situation feel a little bit more mm-hmm. like, Oh wow, this is what a loss of the family member right. would feel like. Yeah. I think it, it made me hold tighter to my brother. Yeah. You know, just knowing that you can, you can lose a family member at any time. We don't know God's plan. So, yeah, definitely, definitely affected me. Um, then when I was 17 years old, Ryan actually passed away from cancer when he was 12. So that was that was even harder than my Uncle Dirk passing. Yeah, I bet. I was, like I said, I, I was 17 years old. Um, I think I was a junior in high school. And I just felt like my heart had been ripped from my chest. Yeah. Like, I just felt that something was missing. I remember the day of the funeral, like, I, you know, saw the casket being put into the hearse. And uh, I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's he's gone, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it was sad. My, I hugged my older brother, and I think that really grew my older brother and I closer to each other. Yeah. I think that always does when you experience loss of a, of a sibling or a loved one, you, you hold on to the other ones a lot tighter. So that was in, let's see, that was 2001. And like I said, Ryan was 12 years old when he passed. Um, and you're, you're 17 and mm-hmm. 16, you have the loss of your uncle. So right. What, what's, what's next? What's, oh I mean, man. Um, you know, what's next is, is kind of like the question of why, Mm. like, why has this happened? Why have I lost two loved ones, you know, within a year or two? Right. So lots of questions, um, lots of anger and frustration. I, uh, I didn't know how to deal with it. I had a lot of people like reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I've got this book you should read on grief. And I'm like, I don't need a book. Like yeah. I need to get closer to God. I need to hash this out with God. Right. You know, and people would always want to talk to me in youth group growing up and school, friends, family, but we really didn't process it very well as a family. It was kind of like, if you're having a good day, um, the other family member, you know, you don't want to approach them. Like you don't want to be brought down by their, their hard day. Interesting. So we didn't, we didn't process grief. um, Right. So just as a family, you were just, you were kind of processing it on your own. Right. Yeah. Very isolated. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then when I was 20, my uncle Eric passed away from cancer. So he was, um, in the Colorado area, Denver area. And again, I was very close with him. He was, he had an amazing personality. He was an amazing uncle, an amazing dad to his two children, an amazing husband. Um, so that again, I, I kind of viewed him as a second father. Right. So that, that was hard to deal with. Um, I wanted to go to the Denver area to see him, you know, kind of for one last time, but I wasn't able to. And part of me is thankful for that because I think he was very weak, didn't look good. So the image I have in my mind is of him in a healthy state. Yeah, and that's cool. So, yeah. 
um, man, it just it just keeps rolling, you know. Um, I mean, and so that was when you were twenty. Mm-hmm. So you've, I mean, six, four, four, four years. You've had three. Yeah. 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 And it's as a twenty-year-old, like you're not fully matured. You're just. Well, I mean, I'm only twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally, totally. it's just a lot to deal with for a twenty-year-old. Um, and like I said, we didn't we didn't process through grief mm-hmm. very healthily. Yeah, but I think it. I don't think I know it strengthened my relationship with the Lord. Okay. So, um, and then fast forward three years, I was diagnosed with a life threatening disease called toxic megacolon, um, which actually led to an emergency surgery to remove my entire large intestine and colon. Um, crazy. Yeah. It crazy. Was, so I was up at, um, the university of Idaho, mm-hmm. my senior year, spring semester and the stress of exams, you know, reports, papers, trying to graduate, trying to get a job after graduation, that whole stress ball just exploded. And I, I remember one day I was just feeling abdominal pain. So I went to, um, primary health and they checked me out. Then they, um, they sent me to a gastroenterologist in Moscow. And, uh, that was a, that was a really bad experience. I um, was warned by friends who lived in Moscow, who are Moscow natives, um, to not go to this this doctor because they'd have they'd had an experience with another friend that he basically practiced malpractice and just did not do well. So, yeah. um, I was like I said, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and it was kind of crazy when I. When I visited him, we we chatted, he examined me, and then he just looked at me and he just said, you might have Crohn's disease. Mm. And he left the exam room. I was like, that's really strange. Like, he just left. So I got off of the exam table, walked into his office, and I was like, are we done? He's like, yeah, you can go home. <laughs> just dropped a bomb of, like, you could have Crohn's disease, right. but it later was ulcerative colitis. Yeah. They're both basically the same disease. Ulcerative colitis is considered the lesser of two evils, but mm-hmm. they're both they're both crazy, crazy diseases. Um, and this is the doctor that you ha- like, yeah, you'd, you'd known their mm-hmm. or friends maybe warned mm-hmm. you about it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, he over prescribed a medicine called prednisone, mm-hmm. which is a steroid, and. Uh, he warned me. He said, you know, let's let's keep an eye on your, your mood, your your mannerisms. And the first night that I took prednisone, I was at this friend's house who had warned me about the doctor in Moscow. Yeah, yeah interesting. Like we were, it was crazy. Like literally I went crazy. I lost my mind. Yeah. Um, we were playing this video game called Halo. And I just remember telling my friends, I was like, I have like amazing senses. Like I can see everybody in this video game and, um, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy is the right word. (laughs) Um, and there were a lot of other experiences through that. And, um, so I was, like I said, overprescribed prednisone went into psychosis. So to this day, I don't, I don't touch prednisone. Yeah. It's listed as one of my allergies. Doctors, nurses, you yep. know, medical assistants, they say, okay, I see that you're allergic to prednisone. Um, no more of that. Right. So there's there's no reason for me to come anywhere, anywhere close to prednisone. So kind of a story. Gosh, one day it just kind of the the insanity the prednisone induced insanity reached a pinnacle so you kept t- kept taking it after that, mm-hmm. that yeah okay. and we tried to kind of like kind of ramp maybe. down okay. which is which is the worst thing to do you're supposed to actually start at a low dose yeah and and ramp up and you were the opposite he, it was stopped. the opposite he he prescribed too much 
medicine. Yeah. And it immediately had a, excuse me, had a, had a negative impact on my, my mind. Yeah. So I was, like I said, I was in Moscow, Idaho, and, uh, um, I actually was also taking the medication at the wrong time. Like I was prescribed sleep meds and then I was prescribed this prednisone and I was taking sleep meds in the morning. Oh my gosh. Prednisone at night. So, oh. Cause I was, I was super confused. I was like, why is this happening? Why am I, why am I experiencing insomnia? And it took, you know, a couple of other friends looking at the medicine. They're like, Oh, this is why. Oh my gosh. So like I said, it came to a pinnacle. I, I was, gosh, it's just crazy to, to try to explain, but I felt like Jesus Christ was coming back. Yeah. This I was, remember this. This I was the second coming. This, yeah. And I felt like I had a huge part in that. And this is so that everyone's just mm-hmm. so everyone's clear. This mm-hmm. is while you are on uh, prednisone. prednisone. Yes. Yeah. In so the, it's not, it's not Brett. Right. Not, yeah, not sober Brett going right. crazy. It's, right. it's hyped up prednisone. It's, it's over medicated. Yeah. Yep. Right. There, that's probably a better yeah. word than hyped up. Yeah. So, um, there was one day I woke up and I think it was just the peak of the insanity, the, um, the psychosis. And I was, I was like, okay, I need to follow signs. Mm. And I was thinking like physical, yeah, like signs around Moscow. I remember seeing like a Henry Weinhard's distribution yeah. vehicle. It's like, oh, that reminds me of my childhood. I'm going to grab my bike. I'm going to, I'm going to go after that. I'm going to see where it goes. I made it to downtown Moscow and this whole time I'm on my mountain bike and I go into the sub, the student union building, and go into this just open open hall, and I yell, is anybody going to Pullman? So Pullman, Washington, which is nine miles across the Idaho-Washington border. And the, the significance of Pullman, my psychotic brain broke Pullman down to Pullman. Yeah, and you thought Jesus was coming back. I so, totally thought yep. Jesus was taking people from, from Pullman. Pullman. Yeah. So I was like, I got to get there. So I get back on my bike. I ride across campus. I'm like jumping stairs, totally trashing my bike. Yeah. Get to a farm that's out in West Moscow along the Moscow-Pullman Highway. And I see this pickup truck that's unlocked by a, like a grain silo. I was like, oh man, I could throw my, my bike in the back of that truck. And if the keys are in that, I can drive that to Pullman. Jeez. So the farmer saw me and he's like, okay, <laughs> no, like, right. This is, Crazy. this is not right. I, so I get, I get out of the, the truck. I ditched my bike. I start walking down the Moscow Pullman highway. And this whole time I was kind of repeating the scripture of ye of little faith. Mm. I was like, okay, I've got this faith built up, which was false faith. Right. It was psychosis yeah. faith. Um, and I just, I got to the point where I was exhausted. So I sat down on a construction barrel on the Moscow Pullman highway and a policeman came, put me in the back of his vehicle, took me to the Pullman hospital. Yeah. And just, was out of it i don't remember much of it mm. so and i mean man like looking back it's like what, what a good thing that the farmer saw you yeah so you didn't drive right because man i can imagine right what that have been like yeah. right okay could have been could have been very very dangerous yeah so, so you so you don't remember much from that right from that pullman hospital right yeah. i don't i remember i remember like almost playing dead yeah almost playing dead and like Doctors were getting frustrated with me. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a female doctor, and I was like, "Oh, that reminds me of my childhood." Like she, she looks like a doctor yeah. that I knew in my childhood. So I was like responsive to her. I would open mm. my eyes and talk to her. But um, that's that's one thing that it's it's hard to think about. Like the psychosis, it's something that like I think people 
could view as funny, but it's right. just it was so deep and psychotic because of the prednisone and I wasn't myself. I remember Right. And what's crazy to me about it too is that like you didn't like you weren't taking these voluntarily. Like right. this was prescribed to right. you by a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you think you're doing this to mm-hmm. to help yourself, yeah. not not just to take them just to take drugs. Right. Yeah. So um after the the psychotic bout um I drove from well, yeah. I had family drive me from Moscow to Spokane, Washington where I had family. We were going to remove myself from the stress of school yeah. the last semester of my my college career. So I got to Spokane. I remember just lying in bed at my at my aunt and uncle's. I just had no energy. I was still dealing with the psychosis. Um, and then the next thing I know, I am getting wheeled through the Spokane airport to get on an airplane to Boise. Wow. And I don't remember anything about the flight. I remember waking up in Boise in the airport and... Uh, I just remember, or not, I didn't, I woke up in the, in the hospital. In Boise. In Boise. Wow. So it was, it was basically an emergency flight. It was, it was on an airline, but I don't remember anything about that. And yeah. Woke up in the hospital. Um, and that was when my large intestine and colon had been, it had been removed. And I had a really big scar on my, my abdomen and I was just confused about what, what was happening and, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I was also given a colostomy bag, which to this day gives me nightmares. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, that was my early twenties <laughs> and, um, it was just, it was a really hard time. I, and it, it affected my relationship with God in the future. I was like, well, what if I what if I get too close to God? Like, mm. is it going to feel like a psychosis thing again? Oh, interesting. So that was really, really difficult. But with prayer and and discussion with with family members and friends and counseling, like I got over it and I was like, no, it's completely fine to pursue a relationship with the Lord. Mm. So that was my early 20s. Um, and then... I get to when I was 26 years old, my parents divorced. And I think what caused the divorce was it was the death of my younger brother Ryan. Yeah. Back in 2001. And I think statistics are just stacked against marriages to succeed. Um, I mean, I can't imagine, too, like what. Mm-hmm. That's like with losing a family member yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I remember kind of being the middleman, like, you know, one of the parents would say, you need to say this to the other parent, mm. vice versa. And that just wasn't healthy. No, it's a really yeah bad spot to be in. Yeah. So, I mean, here we are now, 26 years old, like, just difficult situation after difficult situation. Yeah. You're probably asking that why question yeah, again. The why question of, you know, everybody wants to know the answer of why do bad things happen to good people, right. you know? And I, I, I definitely think that I qualify for that, that yeah, I've had sure. bad things happen to me. Um, so to, to keep the story going, um, when I was 30 years old, in July of 2014, I got a kidney transplant at UCLA. Um, so when I was hospitalized in 2013 in Boise for a bowel blockage, they the doctors ordered blood and urine tests just to see kidney function. And in 2013, they said, whoa, like your kidney function is 25%. percent mm. So they referred me to a nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor. Yeah. And we explored options. Um, 
One of them was to go to Seattle and do an experimental kind of procedure or treatment. But uh, we decided to go to UCLA, which is University of California, Los Angeles, for those of you that may not know. <laughs> Got the Bruins basketball yeah. sweatshirt on yep, now. Yep. Yep. So um, the reason we chose UCLA is because we had a family friend that was the vice chancellor of the medical school. Um, and my diagnosis was FSGS, which which stands for focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, which was basically... Yeah, explain that one a little bit for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it was the condition of my kidneys. The tissue was scarred to the point where it couldn't be improved upon. So wow. we were faced with with a decision you know we said okay we're at 25 percent um kidney function in the summer of 2013 like okay we need a transplant so this is where like this story gets really cool about how god's hand yeah. has been in my life so um i remember calling ucla from boise in 2013 and i just said you know, I, I need a transplant. We've we've gotten to this point. I need to schedule it. And they said, you know, we, we don't have any openings soon. We'll put you on a cancellation list. And God's timing was, was crazy. Like within an hour, they called me back. They said, wow. okay, we can, we can schedule you for July 8th of 2014. I was like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Like just God's timing. And that was, was very awesome. Um, and I've had multiple hospitalizations in or at UCLA, and I just remember um, lying in the bed in the hospital bed and having, you know, tubes coming in to my body, out of my body, being tied to machines, and like totally relying on the machines, and I was just broken. Yeah. I I was at my wits end. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I I'm so frustrated, but I I gave everything up to the Lord. I was just like, this is this is yours, Lord. I don't know what your will is for me, but I want your will to be done, whatever that is. Um and I remember at one point I was hospitalized for the entire month of August. Wow. At UCLA. August 2014. I believe it was actually later. I think it oh, was okay. like 2000, 2016. Oh. Yeah. So like I said, I had multiple yeah. hospitalizations. And I remember in that hospitalization, the after the month there, um, I was told one day that you can't go home yet, mm. where I was promised before that. I was like, oh. I'm getting to go home today. I'm so excited. Like I get out of the hospital, I'll get on a plane, fly to Boise, get to see family, friends. Yeah. And then a medical student comes in and just says, sorry, you can't go home. And all I, all I could do is turn away from that medical student, curl up in the fetal position and just start crying mm. just start sobbing. I was just like, I just want to see my family and friends. Yeah. And I think that was God really allowing me to realize how important community is. Oh, interesting. So you look at my story, you see that I've lost two uncles. Yep. I've lost a little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think God has shown me the importance of community. Yeah. And... I've been called loyal to a fault mm. and I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just, I know how quickly life can be taken from us. So that's why I dive so deep into relationships with friends and family and middle school boys here, you know, just investing in their lives. Like I want to make the most of every experience because I've been through so much loss. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 
I definitely value community. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's very important for me. Which is, I mean, it's, it's evident in your life that that is the case. Like, mm-hmm. like we talked about at the beginning and all the things that you're involved in here. Um, yeah. I mean, people at Rev that know you just know like how, how much you pursue mm-hmm. relationships with people, how, how willing you are to mm-hmm. meet with people. And, um, yeah. So you don't, you don't just say that you, you definitely show it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, I've, I've been through so much medical stuff and, and, and loss yeah. of family members. And it, there was a point when I was having suicidal thoughts, um, I was extremely unhealthy, malnourished, and underweight. I weighed, you know, probably 125 pounds. Mm. This is when I was like 32, 33. Um, so my one of my one of my questions mm-hmm. that I I was thinking about saving to the end, but I think it's a good time to ask it now. Mm-hmm. It's like. Were there, I mean, you, you, you talk about throughout your story, like how God's hand was, was involved with mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I think that's, it's really, really cool that you can look on it now after mm-hmm. all these things that happened and, and figure out where God has worked in your mm-hmm. life. But during those moments and, yeah, and maybe this is, this is one of them at, at 32, were there doubts, were mm-hmm. there times where you were like, I, I'm, I'm done with God. I, I don't think I was done, but I was, I was angry. Yeah. Very angry. There was a point when all I wanted to do was just punch something. Yeah. And I was angry with God. Um, but I remember when, when I was going through these, these suicidal thoughts, I was just like, I don't think I'm suicidal. I don't want to end my life, but I think it was a cry for attention Mm. because I was on a restrictive diet that was just not possible to follow. So what happened was, um, I actually stabbed myself in the abdomen Yeah, and fortunately I didn't bleed out. I called 911 on myself. I said, you know, I've stabbed myself. The 911 operator was like, why'd you do that? And I obviously didn't have a good answer for it. Right. I remember the emergency crew showing up and they put me into the ambulance and took me to, they, uh, they took me to a hospital here in, in Boise. Um, and I remember saying to the, to the medical field or the, the medical people who put me in the ambulance I just said don't call my mom call my dad because I was like I don't want to freak my mom out but I know I know it was going to be tough for both of the parents to feel or to hear so my dad showed up to the to the emergency room and saw me and that was that was by far the lowest point of my life right so like I said I don't I don't know if I was suicidal. I, I didn't think I would end my life by stabbing myself in the abdomen, but like I said, it was a cry for help. Right. And you had a lot of, you'd been dealing with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting to me because I, I think about like the time, I mean, that was 32 mm-hmm. when that happened. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was back when what you were 17 when mm-hmm. that, when the first death occurred mm-hmm. or the death of your that was your uncle at 17 right, right. i mean that's 15 years mm-hmm. that that yeah. you had a lot of traumatic events happen and it's, yeah i mean that's crazy that to me at least crazy that that didn't that kind of thing didn't happen before that right yeah it's just a an accumulate accumulation of so many trials yeah that it's it was difficult to get through Mm-hmm. And then, so when I was 34, my dad actually passed away from cancer. 
um, just adding to yeah, seriously. adding to the story. Um, I mean, it's hard to hard to believe that 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 happened. I was just like, how could, how could this be happening again? My dad had so much to look forward to. He was, you know, he experienced joy with grandsons. He had retired. Um, so I went down to Houston to MD Anderson with my older brother and we were given about a week to spend with my dad. Yeah. And, um, he passed away. So another family member losing a battle to cancer. Yeah. So that was another earth shattering experience. Yeah. And then again, I mean, the why question probably pops up another time. Yeah. So in all this. I, I did ask why basically in every single yeah every single situation and people want to know why bad things happen to good people and I think I think it's it happens to anybody and it's it's God humbling us yeah I think if if we fully rely on God in the hard times, he'll get us through those. So there was, there was basically no other option for me. I was just like, God, I, I can't do this on my own. I've, you know, I've been through so much. And I remember turning from the Lord a bit, um, in the middle of college, kind of start in middle of college, but, I I quickly realized how dark that was and how little yeah. little hope there was. Right. Um So I've wondered, you know, is I've I've wondered if pain and difficulty and poor health and struggles happen because one is not following Christ. Um and I've come up with the answer that I don't I don't think God is transactional. You know, right. for, for a right. long time, I was like, man, I, I've led this terrible life. Like, I, I've tried to be innocent and perfect, and I've failed. Like, I, th- I feel like God's punishing me, and that's just not not the case. God was humbling me. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a reason to, to turn to God. Um, if you're going through any, any sort of trial, there's no there's no depth that you can get to that you're not out of out of God's reach so yeah there's there's a lot I've been through um if you do the math it was in approximately 25 years I had experienced 12 traumatic life-changing events um so if you do the math that's nearly one traumatic experience every two years (laughs) yeah which is unbelievable Mm -hmm. yeah so i asked a couple friends about that question of do pain difficulty poor health and struggles happen because one is not following christ so one of the answers was no not necessarily and most often not it's a product most often of living in a broken sinful world Mm. we contribute to the sinfulness in the world but not everything that happens to us is a direct result of your personal sin and then another answer to that question was, no, in the book of John, chapter 9, Jesus talks about the blind man. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, um, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither. This was for the glory of God, so we can't blame for, sorry, end statement, Jesus said this was for the glory of God. So we can't blame poor health or struggles on sin. There are bigger issues, bigger reasons we know or that why they occur, and we just we don't know the answer. God knows the answer. Right. Well, I mean, I think too of of just like Job. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of times that like we see in the book of Job mm-hmm. that God calls Job like one of the greatest guys in the land, mm-hmm. and and. Satan's like, well, if I keep, if I take enough away from him, he's going to turn against you. Yeah. And it wasn't anything. It wasn't a product of what Job did. Mm-hmm. It was honestly the opposite. Like yeah. Job was, was, was so good mm-hmm. that that's why it happened. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you think of, 
you think of bad things happening to good people, the worst thing happened to the best person in history. Mm. You think of Jesus's death on the cross. Yeah. He died for our sins. He died to forgive our sins so that we can have eternal life, so that we can we can experience heaven on earth. Yeah. You know, so that's that keeps that keeps perspective in life. No matter what we're going through, Jesus has been through it. Yeah. He can relate to us. Um So yeah, I would I would say that I qualify for that question of why bad things happen to good people. I, not I would that agree. I not that I consider myself a great person, a noble person. I just know that I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot of of trials. Um So I I hope this is showing that there is hope no matter what you're going through there's hope nobody is out of outside of god's reach there's there's redemption to be had and if you're dealing with a a difficult situation there's there's hope um and kind of to to put things in perspective is so i'm a I'm basically a landlord. I have two guys that live with me and have had many roommates. And a lot of people get very petty mm-hmm. about living situations like, oh, you left dishes in the sink or, oh, you, you know, you left a mess here. And I, I have a, I think I have a greater perspective of struggle. Yeah. And I'm like, that stuff doesn't bother me. <laughs> like, and I've been called super laid back and I think it's because of, trials and tribulations and i just keep things in the the bigger picture well i just think of you i mean in my personal experience on on wednesday nights when the middle school boys are doing something that just only middle school boys would find mm-hmm. a way to do and mm-hmm. you're one of my favorite persons to just look at your reaction because you just sit back and you're just laughing with them <laughs> like, yeah. i'm like man i think some other like maybe myself or other leaders would have be like no what are you doing stop mm-hmm. or like oh my gosh what are you doing and, mm-hmm. and brett's just there just <laughs> yeah like yeah i think yeah. i think that's very true yeah so i think a good question to ask is why do i why do i still follow jesus why why am i a miracle why live um i i think about what's been taken from me, what's mm-hmm. been taken from family members. You look at my dad, he was he was a successful businessman, but if he were given a chance, he would I think he would give up all of his success to have to still be down here with his grandsons, with his with his sons, with all his family and friends. Um and you think about my younger brother Ryan's death. He lived a short, challenging life. Yeah. Um, and you think about you think about heaven. A lot of people say, "Oh, they're in a better place," and it's not not just a better place; it's the best place anybody can ever be. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. no matter what you're you're dealing with, you're not alone. No suffering will will drown out God's word. Um, I've got a couple couple scriptures that I want to read. Yeah, please. So 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So I, I look at worldly grief and I kind of relate that to um, bitterness or, or a hard heart. I, th- I feel like if you're faced with difficulty, you have two options. You can, you can accept that difficulty and turn to, turn to God and rely on God, or you can turn away and totally yeah. be angry 
Yeah. Sometimes rightfully so you can be angry, but mm-hmm. it's not healthy to stay in that anger and that that hard heartedness. Yeah. And then another scripture is uh first Peter four nineteen. It says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Mm. Um so that just goes to show that you know, we should we should share in Christ's suffering and glory. Yeah. So, um, uh, I guess hardship can be beneficial. So through experiencing hardship, nobody can convince me that my life doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And like I said, you're, you're never out of God's reach. There's nothing out of his plan so anything you're going through, he understands what you're what you're dealing with. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, Brett, um thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm glad you know, when we were talking about doing this podcast before, I was like, You've shared your testimony now multiple times mm-hmm. and I'm glad we have it mm-hmm. in you know able to to listen to whenever you want on yeah. a podcast form. yeah um so you're the the last major event that you talked about you were 32 30 34 four when my dad passed away and you are how old now i'm 39 39 yeah so in the last five years mm-hmm. what has what has life looked like oh man life honestly has been good I have, so from my, the date of my kidney transplant in, let's see, it was 2014. So as of, as of March 8th, I was, I might be doing the math wrong, but I believe it was eight, eight years. As of March 8th, so yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years, eight months. Mm -hmm. And... I have yearly checkups with UCLA. I've been deemed a success story, which like to hear that from a doctor, yeah. given what I've been through with negative experiences with the medical field, like that was amazing. Totally. Um, I also deal with Crohn's disease, but that's at bay. I'm at a, I'm on a, on a miracle drug that's keeping that in remission Um, but life is, life is good. I have, I have no complaints. I, I take every day as precious. Yeah. I've, I've seen people ripped out of relationship from me. Um, and I think God's maturing me and just letting me realize how important just every single person is. Yeah. So... You take, you know, being a youth group, like I go out of my way to say hi to the kids and make them feel welcomed and noticed and get their name. Um, and I realize how, how important community is. So I just, I just really hold, hold tightly to, um, relationships and community. Um, and I feel like God, has me here for an amazing purpose. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's, that's pretty evident in your life, just of the, the many opportunities that not only like you, you said like not only that you would have to take your own life, Mm -hmm. he's, that's like, that's a real thing in the world. And Mm -hmm. people have, have done that, that have gone through traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. or just, or just the opportunity that you wouldn't be here because of like a health mm-hmm. pr- problem. Mm-hmm. Um, like it is, it is clear that you're here. Uh, you're here for a purpose mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, the Lord is continuing to, to work mm-hmm. in you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the Lord is, is giving me joy every day. Yeah. And I, I'm a person that wants to make people laugh and smile. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you don't do that in, in a day, the, the day is wasted. Yeah. So, That's cool, man. Yeah. So cling, cool. cling to joy, cling to Christ as, as your rock, yeah. regardless of what you're 
of what you're going through. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. Well, uh, is there anything else you, you would like to add anything, hmm. anything else you we want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. There's, you know, I, I hope I did a good job of really like explaining how I felt through all these yeah. experiences. I, I could have gone through and just said, okay, here I did this, 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 this <laughs> chronologically. Right. But there was trial and struggle in every single situation, but God was by my side and God is still by my side today. Well, and what I think is so interesting about your story is that like we could have spent an hour on each individual event Mm -hmm. that you gave. Like Mm -hmm. we could go, we could have gone into depth, I'm sure for an hour about Mm -hmm. your, your little brother Mm -hmm. and just talked about him. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think part of your story Mm -hmm. is that it wasn't just one event. Right. It wasn't just two events. Yeah. So I think all those events that combined and piled up. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much hope to be had in Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks again, man. Mm -hmm. I, I, this is, this was, was great to have you for this, for this first episode to, to launch it. Um, like I said, I'm not, totally sure when we're going to release this and mm-hmm. everything but um i'm excited for for people to get to hear mm-hmm. that um yeah, me too you can i mean if you if you have any questions or follow-ups for brett you can like i said earlier he's on, he's on the security team mm-hmm. so you can you can find him yep. wander in the buildings uh, on sunday mornings um you can i'm trying to i mean find me here wednesday night find him here wednesday at nights group. at youth group yeah um you can reach out to me and I can get you in touch with mm-hmm. Brett if you want to, you know, buy him some coffee or, uh, or some Chick-fil-A like, like <laughs> we did earlier. Um, and, and I'm sure he would, he would love to, uh, share more yeah, or, I'd or love answer to, any questions. I'd love that you to dig have. into life with people. Yeah. 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 No matter what they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so one of the, the, the kind of inspirations for this podcast was, Mm. Um, the church that I grew up in, uh, and my parents still go to, uh, today is, is, is imprint church in, mm. in Woodenville. Now they have a Bothell location actually mm. too. And they started a podcast, uh, during COVID, like kind of the COVID time. And they had a series, basically what we're doing right now, people sharing their testimony and they called it a word of their testimony. And that comes from revelation twelve eleven. uh, and it says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony mm. for they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens and you who will dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows what time he knows that his time is short. Mm. Um, so I just think that's awesome. I think there's power in our testimony mm-hmm. there's power in what the lord is doing in us mm-hmm. and uh yeah like i said man I'm, I'm really grateful that you wanted to do this and then we were able yeah. to do it so yeah my my story is is one of extreme difficulty but there's also redemption that i've found in jesus christ yeah and my relationship with him yeah yeah that's awesome all right well i haven't really uh thought of a way to close up the podcast <laughs> so um I'm going to pray for us actually, yeah, and then and then we'll head out. Great. Uh, so, dear Lord, uh, thank you for for Brett. Uh, I just am, am so grateful uh, for the chance that I've gotten to get to know him over the past couple of years, uh, the time that we've spent together in community, um, and I'm just thankful for not only his heart for you, Lord, but his heart for others and for pointing them back to you. Uh, I'm thankful for just the power of his testimony, Lord. Um, I'm thankful for all the things that you have put in front of Brett, uh, and just how he has remained faithful in you, Lord, how he's trusted in you, uh, and trusted in the power, uh, of you, Lord, and that, that there is a purpose for him being here. Um, there's a purpose for us all being here and, and just grateful that, uh, he is able to find so much joy mm. in, in, all the things that you've thrown at 
him in, in, in his life. Uh, so I just, um, I pray that when people hear this, they are encouraged that they are, uh, that they just look at their own lives and are, are grateful that the Lord has brought them to the place that they're at. Uh, and I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.